thank you very much. Uh, well, of course, it is an enormous honor for me to be able to present to you some of my thoughts and reflections on topic, uh, which is probably too much for a short 20-30 uh, minutes presentation. And of course, I'd like to thank all the staff of Al-Mahdi Institute for uh, hosting this virtual event. Uh, before starting my presentation, I'd like to mention that most of my research, which I hope I'm going to communicate to you, comes out of a long-term project which I'm involved in, and um, which is sponsored by uh, Humanity Council of Islamic Seminary of Qom. Uh, over the last two years, I've been, uh, they've been supporting me to do a comparative study on uh, Islamic law and uh, modern legal system broadly. And as you may have guessed, uh, part of that project is a topic of my discussion. Uh, before wasting any time, uh, first of all, in my discussion, we have to clarify what is the meaning of freedom of expression. I believe and I can show that many conflicts and disputes over freedom of expression starts exactly right here. What is the meaning of freedom of expression? My argument here uh, is nearly what Wittgenstein might call uh, as a beetle in a box. Uh, Wittgenstein, in a philosophical investigation, introduces a famous and memorable analogy of beetle in a box. Uh, so, uh, suppose everyone has a box that only they can see into, and no one can see into everyone else's box. Each describe what he or she sees in the box as a beetle. I know what my beetle looks like, you know what your beetle looks like. Wittgenstein points out that in this situation, when we all talk about beetle, it might be a uh, different thing in everyone else's box, might be nothing at all. The thing in the box could be changing all the time. Whatever it is, whatever in the box, the beetle, it cannot have any part in the language game. This is exactly how freedom of expression operates in discourses both of the Islamic jurists and Western commentators. When they are talking about the freedom of expression, they're not talking about the uh, same topic. They are not on the same page. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make here uh, is uh, Islamic jurists, for those who are familiar with Islamic jurisprudence, Islamic jurists see everything through the lens of Islamic jurisprudence. And Islamic jurisprudence revolves around the act and conduct of humans, the behavior of humans. The mission of jurisprudence is to uh, determine the status of actions. Uh, it is uh, uh, quite predictable that uh, Islamic jurists, the only way that they can see and understand freedom of expression is uh, if it's an action, action, uh, act of writing, act of talking, act of uh, making a movie. This is the only way uh, freedom of expression can be uh, understood in a mind of a jurist. On the other side, uh, Western commentators and legal scholars, they understand freedom of expression as a right. Uh, this is why you see uh, the term right in all definitions. So when Western commentators, they refer to Islamic jurisprudential book, and they try to find a backing uh, for uh, freedom of expression as a right, they fail because such a thing does not exist at all. On the other side, if they try to uh, find and justify freedom of expression as act, it is quite justifiable and uh, its roots are quite traceable in Islamic jurisprudence. So uh, in the following, uh, if I want to justify freedom of expression, I try to uh, focus on freedom of expression as an act, not as a right. We might ask ourselves, what's the difference? Uh, freedom of expression as a right or as an act? 
for those who are familiar with uh, legal reasoning, they know uh, the change in the nature of uh, topic can eventuate in a change of methodology and in many implications. As I said, if you define freedom of expression uh, as legal scholars and uh, Western commentators do, I cannot define it. I cannot justify it in uh, Islamic jurisprudence. Uh, but if you define it as an act, it is quite justified. Uh, there are many ways uh, to justify freedom of expression. Uh, I'm only going to focus on three ways or methods. Uh, but before uh, explaining any justification, I'm going to uh, focus on two points. I'm going to explain two points. First of all, the use of freedom of expression uh, as a technical term has no precedence before the First Amendment in 1948. Uh, Article 19 in the First Amendment states that everyone has the right to freedom of opinion and expression. This is the first time that freedom of expression as a, a technical term has been used. So uh, therefore, since it is a technical and new term, the meaning and the concept of freedom of expression should not be sought in early days of Islam or in any prior legal system. For example, against the Napoleon Code is for uh, 1832 or around, uh, the freedom of expression, its meaning should not be sought at in, in any prior time, including uh, the days of Islam. In these cases, in these cases, when the concept is new, uh, legal scholars and of course Islamic jurists, they try to justify and understand that action by uh, referring to generalities and legal canons. They try to understand that by referring to generalities and legal canons. Uh, for example, at 1991, uh, selling, oh, I just want to simplify, uh, selling LSD and buying LSD was uh, no legal tax in the United States was addressing its ruling. Uh, it was a question for legal scholars whether buying, racking, uh, buying or selling uh, LSD is uh, legal or illegal, since uh, there is no legal tax uh, addressing its ruling. On that time, a legal scholar tried to justify the prohibition of uh, buying or selling LSD by uh, referring to generalities like prohibition of uh, buying or selling any narcotic substance. This is exactly uh, what we need to do here to justify freedom of expression in Islamic thought. We have to refer to legal canons and generalities. And as I said, there are many ways, but there are three uh, most common and easy way uh, as following. First is the canon of permission or asla al-ibaha. Uh, when it is doubted whether a certain act is prohibited by divine uh, lawgiver and there exists no proof of prohibition, it must be assumed that act is permissible. And since there is no prohibition on freedom of expression, we need to assume that uh, freedom of expression as an act is permissible. Uh, this canon is the one of the most fundamental canon in Islamic legal theory and basis for uh, many uh, religious ruling. Uh, as you can see, uh, the all, uh, you can use the, uh, the canon of permission only to justify a permission of acts. If I consider freedom of expression as a right, I cannot use this canon. A second way to justify freedom of expression is by using maqas uh, al-sharia or the purpose, uh, purposes of sharia. Uh, there are various interpretations for maqas al-sharia, but uh, I mean here enactment of law based on the purposes of sharia. 
the idea behind Maqasid al-Sharia is uh, very simple. Uh, imagine that a uh, legislator or lawgiver has not addressed a ruling of uh, a specific action. Uh, in this case, you can uh, justify its prohibition or, I don't know, uh, obligation by uh, going through legal texts. Going through legal texts, you can come to this knowing that if the legislator was present and if he was living among us, without any doubt, he would per, uh, prohibit this action. He would prohibit this action. For example, uh, by going through uh, texts, uh, verses of Holy Quran and narrations, we can come to this conclusion without any doubt. Islamic lawgiver, uh, he doesn't like. He support. He support welfare of people. He supports welfare of people by going through narrations and many verses of Quran. We come to this conclusion that he supports welfare of people. So welfare of people can be considered as a, a purpose of Sharia. Uh, in this case, any action that violates the welfare of people must be prohibited. Imam Khomeini, uh, the uh, very famous jurist, uh, Shia jurist, uh, says uh, in his, one of his statements that considering the maqasid al-sharia, considering the purpose of sharia, it seems very unlikely that simply hoarding ihtikar, uh, simply hoarding certain food is forbidden, rather hoarding everything that people need is forbidden, including medicine or a paper. Uh, the point that I'm trying to make uh, here is uh, sometimes, even though the Islamic legislator has not explicitly talked about freedom of expression, since it's a new technical term, by going through the verses of Holy Quran and narration, we can come to this conclusion that Islamic lawgiver cares and value freedom of expression. So how can I uh, identify purpose of Sharia? How can I be sure that uh, freedom of expression is one of his purposes? There are many ways to identify purposes, uh, which itself, uh, you should know that. It's a very uh, complicated process. But if I want to simplify it, it's like uh, solving a puzzle. Uh, by going through uh, narrations and uh, verses of Quran, you try to collect the pieces of puzzle and you put them together. And it helps you to come to this conclusion that this act is uh, this uh, topic is a purpose of Sharia. For example, uh, what I'm doing here is I, by analyzing narrations, I have come to this conclusion, uh, many verses of Holy Quran uh, indicating the value of expression, the value of writing, the value of science, uh, prohibition of tyranny and oppression, uh, and uh, freedom of expression as an integral part of many Muslim uh, institutions like uh, Bay'a or Shura. For example, uh, uh, in Holy Quran, uh, Allah says, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, the most merciful thought the Quran created humanity and thought them speech. Uh, many commentators uh, in com uh, interpretation of this verse has stated, regardless of the importance of expression uh, in the structure of human uh, existence, expression has a fundamental role in the evolution and progress of human life. So by putting all these pieces together, the value of expression, the value of writing, the value of science, and etc., you can come to this conclusion that Islamic lawgiver value freedom of expression itself, regardless of its contents. Uh, this is a, a second way uh, that I can use to justify freedom of expression. 
Uh, third way is using uh, uh, an, another Islamic order, uh, obligation to enjoining good and forbidding evil or amr al-ma'ruf al-munkar. Among Islamic jurists, it is uh, very important and un un undoubtedly it is uh, considered an Islamic order. Uh, according to this order, uh, uh, everything that is uh, evil must be forbidden. And there are many narrations, many verses of Quran that I'm going to uh, narrate some of them. It has been reported that Prophet of Islam, peace be upon him, said, My nation will always be goodness as long as its people enjoy good and forbid evil and assist one another in piety. It also has been uh, reported that Imam Ali salam said, do not abandon enjoining good and forbidding evil, otherwise the evil people among you will take charge over you. So uh, forbidding evil without any doubt is an Islamic order, but uh, forbidding evil has a degrees, one of which is related to topic of my discussion. As Muhaddaqa Heli, very famous uh, Shia jurist states, uh, degrees of forbidding evil are three. First, by hurt, second, by tongue, and third, by hand. Uh, the second degree of forbidding evil, which is forbidding by uh, tongue, is related to my topic and can be considered as a way of expressing uh, your thought against evil. And of course, uh, expression by tongue uh, includes any form, as uh, Islamic jurist states, any form of expression. It's not limited to expressing by tongue, uh, even expressing by uh, making a movie, uh, writing an article. They all can be considered as an expression of by tongue. According to this method, uh, it is an obligation for any Muslim uh, if he sees uh, an, an, an evil thing is happening. He has to express his disagreements. If I'm seeing something evil and bad is happening as a Muslim, I'm obligated to express my disagreements. Uh, and as, as it's quite clear, and as I said before, uh, choosing every method to justify freedom of expression uh, might have a different implication. In this case, uh, using a uh, uh, term freedom is not that accurate because you're not free to express. In fact, if you're seeing something evil is happening, according to Islamic doctrine, you uh, it is a legal duty, it is an obligation to stop that evil, at least by expressing uh, your, your disagreements. So far, we'll be talking about the meaning of freedom of expression. Also, we talked about justification underlying freedom of expression. From now on, I'm gonna, uh, to be honest, so far uh, my discussion was a bit theoretical and unrealistic. Uh, from now on, I want to better spice it up and have a more pragmatic view on freedom of expression. Uh, we all love freedom of expression. Uh, the, the all legal systems support freedom of expression in theory, but it is in action that you can define. Uh, the value of freedom of action. Uh, you can uh, define the value of freedom of expression by uh, by the number of limits and restriction in any legal system. You can define, you can understand if it's this legal system is a supporter of, of freedom of expression or not. In a theory, in a theory, you might consider freedom of expression as a fundamental right, even more important than the right to breathe. But in in practice, you might consider and you might criminalize uh, expression of Holocaust denial 
as a violation of, uh, as a, uh, in practice, you might consider a violation, uh, might consider uh, Holocaust denial as a violation of, uh, excuse me, uh, I was, uh, excuse me, uh, I was saying, in theory, uh, all legal system will love uh, freedom of expression, Iran, uh, other legal system. But if you want to know that if that legal system supports freedom of expression, you should consider their limits and their restrictions. And if you analyze legal system, uh, all legal system, uh, their limits and restriction for uh, freedom of expression fall in two categories. Uh, first, violation of individual rights like uh, slander and invasion of intellectual property, uh, a second violation of public orders. Uh, some cases like uh, expressing racist view or supporting child pornography, they cannot be considered as a violation of individual rights, but they can be considered as a public uh, violation of public orders. It is very important to uh, note this. It is very important to note this. Uh, all legal systems agree on these two limits conceptually. They all agree that there is a violation of individual rights and there is a violation of public order. There is no doubt in this, but there is disagreement in examples. For example, some legal uh, legal uh, system consider blasphemy as a violation of public order. Some uh, consider uh, the uh, expression of Holocaust denial as a violation of public order. So their disagreement is in examples but all accept these two limits. Uh, of course, Islamic law, like uh, many other and all of legal system, there are examples for any of these uh, limits. Uh, there are many. Uh, I'm gonna focus on uh, the first, second, defamation and blasphemy because they are most common and more controversial. Uh, defamation is considered uh, in many legal systems uh, as a, uh, limits for freedom of expression. Uh, Islamic jurists, all of Islamic jurists without any exceptions, they uh, forbid insulting other. Many verses of Holy Quran and authentic narrations indicate the prohibition of insulting other. For example, Holy Quran says, uh, oh you who have faith, let not any people ridicule another people. It may be that they are better than they are. Uh, another verse states, Woe to every scandal monger and slanderer. And also there are many other narrations indicates prohibition of uh, throwing insults against other. It is very important to note this prohibition is not exclusive for Muslims. I mean, uh, throwing insult against non-Muslim is prohibited according to Islamic doctrine. Uh, Abdullah ibn Sanan uh, narrates that uh, a man, a Muslim man, a slander, a Zoroastrian in the sight of Imam Sadiq The Imam stopped him from slandering. Uh, the man, and, and some other narration says, Imam Sadiq got uh, very mad. Uh, the man tries to justify his action by saying, this man is Zoroastrian. Uh, they married to their mother and sisters. Imam Sadiq says, yes, that's true. Uh, he's a Zoroastrian and they do that, but you have no right to do uh, to uh, throwing insult against him. And it's very important and it's very important narration that uh, marrying to uh, mother and sister in 
and Islam and in many, many other mainstream religion is a disgusting act. Imam uh, Sadiq says, even though he has done this disgusting act, you have no right to throw insult against him. So, Dr. Uh, Muhammadi, you've got another three minutes. Okay, okay, another three minutes. Okay, I'm gonna. Uh, the last uh, good news I'm about to finish. Uh, the second uh, limits is blasphemy. Blasphemy is an insult uh, that shows uh, contempt, disrespect, or lack of reverence concerning a deity, sacred object, or something considered inviolable. Uh, blasphemy, of course, is. Uh, about, uh, is forbidden in Islamic law, it is very important to note there is a clear difference between blasphemy and academic critic of sacred. It is very important to note that. And the latter one, um, academic critics of sacred, is not forbidden in Islam. Ayatollah Muntazari, uh, Islamic uh, jurist, states, uh, if a person denies Islam based on uh, reasoning, he will not be punished physically or financially. Uh, I must remind you again that uh, 16 European countries uh, criminalize any sort of uh, critic of Holocaust. Uh, I'm not saying that the Holocaust has not happened or happened. No, I'm not here to talk about it. The point that I'm trying to make is in a theory that are supporting uh, freedom of expression, but in practice, uh, you can see. There are other uh, limits for freedom of expression, obscenity, uh, solicitation to commit crimes, treason, fraud, but since I'm out of time, uh, I'll talk about this concept in my article. Okay, uh, the bottom line, I, in my, as a conclusion, in my uh, presentation, I talked about three points. First of all, Islamic jurists see freedom of expression as an act, not as a right. A second, there are three ways to justify freedom of expression as an act in Islamic law. Canon of permission, purpose of sharia or maqas of the sharia and obligation third uh, the main restriction on freedom of expression uh, fall in two categories violation of individuals and violation of public orders that's pretty much about my presentation i'm open for any uh, question and critics 